0: Hey friends, today's episode is a bonus episode with Steve Bechtel, available right now for patrons if you want to listen to the full thing. You're just getting a short free teaser of it today, and if you want to listen to the rest of it, you can go over to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing and sign up to become a patron and listen to the rest of the conversation right now. In this conversation, Steve and I talked about when to stick with the training program versus when to move on and try something new. How much variety is too much variety? How long should we be sticking with it? What is the balance of focusing on strength training? And Steve shared a lot of thoughts about off seasons and and building strength when we're not focusing on climbing, and then how to focus on being rock climbers and keeping the training on the back burner and spending more time performing the rest of the year. I love this conversation. I also got to ask Steve about climbing his first 514. It's something I've been wanting to talk to him about for quite a while. For those of you who don't know, Steve climbed his first 14A at 47 after more than 30 years of rock climbing and almost 30 years after doing his first 13A, which Steve thinks might be a world record, which is really funny the largest gap of time between first 13a and first 14a but that was fascinating Steve talked about some of his training that went into that climb and I asked him some questions about some of the things that I struggle with with my own sport climbing and Steve gave me some guidance on how to build better power endurance. I always really struggle and power out if I have to do more than like 25 moves or 30 moves in a row that are consistent in difficulty without a rest. That's always been hard for me. And yeah, Steve's advice was really helpful. So I really encourage you to check out the episode if any of that sounds interesting. The full conversation is about an hour and 36 minutes. So again, What you're listening to today is just a free teaser of that longer conversation, and if you want to check out the full thing, you can sign up for Patreon at the link right there in your podcast app, and by doing that, you're also supporting the show. A quick announcement before we jump into the teaser, Steve and I talked about the upcoming PCC. This is the Virtual Performance Climbing Coach Summit coming up this month. Registration is open now, and the course will be live on November 15th, so less than a week away. This is for climbing coaches or for self-coached athletes who want to take their understanding of coaching and programming and strength training, all of these things to the next level. Um, They've never had more presenters for the summit before. It's virtual this year, so you can do the whole thing from home. There will be presentations from Steve Bechtel, uh, Mercedes Palmeyer, Leif Gash, Eric Hurst, I think Tom Randall's doing something, John Kettle, Tyler Nelson from Camp for Human Performance. A lot of people who have been on the show, a lot of people who have not been on the show, who I would love to have on one of these days. It's stacked with really knowledgeable coaches from all across the globe. So if you want to check that out, head over to the Strong website and you can find the link from there. I also put the link for the virtual PCC and where you can sign up right there in your podcast app. So if that interests you, go ahead and check it out. Thanks for tuning in today and please enjoy this teaser of my follow-up with Steve Bechtel. Yeah, no, it's recording. Okay. All right. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. I'm here with Steve <laughs> again. And oh, today man. we're going to talk about the best combination of different brands of chalk to get the most out of our finger training.
1: That's right. I I I'm right in I'm really into uh, friction cartel <laughs> at this point. It's you know, just it's a 50-50 blend. Okay. Um, the chunky style. <laughs>
0: and you you always do the friction magic uh liquid chalk as the base before you start right
1: that that is a that is a boat that i have to say i'm bummed i missed was uh was selling Randy chalk chalk <laughs> well not only yeah. not only like convincing convincing the world that chalk is not just chalk you know and and honestly for me stephen i i mean i understand there's like you know, nasty chemicals or whatever in the Metolius super chalk, but that stuff is, nobody's even come close to.
0: Oh, to, that's still, to, what, uh, that's still your go-to. Oh
1: man, I love it. I love, I love desiccants. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I have, I have really super good skin. And so okay. um, I feel really lucky. I don't have, I don't ever get splits or, or anything like that. So I think just what uh, I, you know, that's one of the things that has been uh, really lucky for me in my climbing is I've never had uh, issues with, you know chalk drying out my skin or anything like that so anyway gotcha i really like my favorite chalk is whatever uh it comes in the mail
0: (laughs) yeah do people send you samples of stuff all the time
1: yeah we get a we get a bunch because um at the gym they assume that we have retail um, Uh. and so we'll we'll get some samples for that and uh but um and then uh Timmy Fairfield is a is a friend and and so we get we get chalk cartel stuff pretty frequently, which is super good chalk.
0: Yeah. But. That's awesome. I've actually um not to put him on the spot, but I've actually had some phone calls with him yeah. and uh have actually talked about doing some ads for them because I, I really do love their stuff and it's just yeah a little more affordable than some of the other options. And I like what they're all about. I like Timmy and yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. So
1: um all right. What are we talking about today?
0: <laughs> today. So, um, you know, the, the intro there was a joke. People that get the joke will get the joke. People that won't, it's probably, <laughs> yeah. probably not worth explaining. I um, know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so today this came about because I had a friend reach out to me back in early September and he listens to the podcast and he follows you. And he was, he just sent me a random text message and he was like, hey, what's up with Climbstrong picking on the nugget in the newsletter for September? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I hadn't read it yet. And uh, so, of course, I go and read it. And not only did I not feel like you were picking on me, I agreed with what you said. And I was like, this would actually be a really good topic to get into because it's it, it was one of my probably biggest hang-ups or stumbling points for a long time. I was always exploring different training programs kind of creating my own following a lot of different people and listening to a lot of you know audio content podcasts whatever and anytime something new and exciting came up that felt compelling and and inspiring to me i had a hard time of knowing how to either integrate that into what i was doing or just save it for later or pivot from what i was doing to something better so I'll give people a little more context. I'll read just a little bit of your newsletter so they know what we're talking about, okay. but I won't read the whole thing. Um, in essence, the the newsletter for September was about like when to stick, when to stick with a training program and see it through versus just bouncing around too often for any real adaptation to take place. And uh, you led it off with uh, a quote from Stephen Pressfield, which I love, which is, the sure sign of an amateur is he has a million plans and they all start tomorrow. And I love that. And that really gets at the heart of uh, what we're we're talking about here. But I'll read the section where you mentioned the nugget. Yeah. <laughs> so you wrote, you were talking about uh, endurance training and just kind of how tedious it is and how that's really hard for a lot of people to stick with. You wrote, route four x fours are a session we recommend to help climbers build low end endurance. They are tedious and the climbing feels pretty easy. For a 512A climber, one who can send that grade in one session, a few tries at most, we would probably recommend starting this workout at about the 10A level. Clearly that is very easy for this person, but the session consists of doing one pitch of 510A, then immediately top roping it three times. The climber would then rest for 12 to 15 minutes, maybe while a partner does the same four laps, then repeat the whole thing three more times. The laps feel too easy. In order to adapt properly to primarily aerobic fueling and building all day capacity though, we need them to be easy. More times than I can count, I've had people try the session, increase the difficulty mid-session to say around 5.11b, they get totally smashed by it, and they, quote, feel like it, quote, worked. Rarely have I had an athlete do this whole workout nine more sessions. It's too tedious, but it's training, not entertainment. Way before even the fifth session, most of them will have listened to another interview on The Nugget and been inspired to go another direction. Remember, getting endurance is boring. Having it is not.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really fascinating um if you if you were a weightlifter in the 19 in the 1990s or 1980s there were like five books and no no web and so you you picked arnold's book or you 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 know you you picked up a a copy of of like one of the old time strongman books and you went for it with that program. And and then many, many people would stay with those for years and try them over and over. And early in the, in the 1990s, uh, I think it was in 1992 or 93, Dale Goddard and Udo Newman came out with Performance Rock Climbing, which was an excellent book, still one of the best climbing training books out there. But it was one of the only things around. It was like, you could get that, read that book or, you know, maybe Eric uh, Horst's original flash training book. And you follow those programs always to their logical conclusion because you didn't know what else to do. Mm. But now we're in an information rich society where the information available to human beings is doubling at this rate. Of, it's, it's a, what I, I, I'm not, I'm not very good with, with, uh, math, but I think it's doubling at a exponential rate, mm. meaning that the amount of information available from like the dawn of time until the year 2000 was then doubled like five years later. And then it was doubled again, mm. two years later, and then it was doubled again a year later. And so it's, um, and, and I, I'm probably messing up the terms there. You know, Mace would be able to straighten me out. But the thing—the thing, <laughs> uh, the thing that's, that's interesting is it happens across all fields. And one of the things that's really interesting is there was an economist, um, and it says that back in the early 1900s, and he—one of the things he said was, in an information world, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, and the scarcity of whatever that information consumes. And what it says is a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. And his name was Herbert Simon, mm. but that's the thing is, you know, there's a, there's a, it, there's a societal trend toward uh, distraction because we have so many possible ways to go. And this happens in our training because gosh, like sticking with something all the way through that difficult plateau period until you actually see fruition is really tough. The one place we do it well, Stephen, is, is on projects. You know, you get out there and you're so psyched to send that you're like, oh, I'm getting nowhere, I'm getting nowhere, I'm making negative progress, but you keep going back to it. And then eventually things come together and you and you send the route. But it's really hard to do with, within the framework of a workout. And so, yeah, when do we switch out? When do we stop Doing that training, or when do we continue and to stick with something, even though it feels really challenging for us? And that's a that's a that's a tough question for athletes.
0: Mm. I want to share with people just some of my thoughts about about this, as it pertains to my own training and how those have evolved over the years. Just hopefully, is helpful context. Uh, because obviously I do this podcast where I talk to a different person every single week and very often I come out of these conversations inspired. I mean, I learn something from every single one of them. And I, if I'm doing my job right or well, then I have something to take away and apply to my own life every single week. But that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, t- taking uh, 90 degree turns all the time. And totally changing my direction. It's really more of um, deeply ingraining these these themes that I see across different people. You know, like all these really strong climbers. A lot of them have unique approaches, but there's they rhyme. You know, they have similarities in certain ways. Um, they all seem to emphasize really high quality, high intensity work much of the year. You know, they switch things up. They have variety but not so much variety that they're just doing random stuff. You know, there's there's a plan, there's some sort of intention or thought process. Like these are the sorts of lessons that really sink in when you just hear every single person talk about a unique approach that still has those elements to it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. And then a couple things I want to touch on. I I used to create a lot of my own training programs and that is somewhere where you know there's there's a balance there because if you make it up for yourself you might have made it up wrong you know you might have come up with a bad plan and i think you learn really quickly starting a new plan that you had intended whether or not it's going to work and that's where i would be willing to tweak things and make changes was like the early stages of a new plan that i had intended for 4 to 6 weeks or something yeah but what i try not to do is let a new fancy idea pull me away from what I had intended for the next four to six weeks. And I try to stick yeah. with it and then hold on to that motivation or inspiration for what I can try later on. Uh, because inevitably, like we do need to have some sort of, you know, growth and and um, it's, it's the whole, you know, what got you here won't get you there thing. I know yes. I've heard you say that. So yeah, those are some of my thoughts. Um, I'm curious um, how you, yeah, go ahead. I'll just let you
1: Well, I like, I like what you said, like, I'm not going to let it screw up what I had thought through. I mean, inspiration is great, but, but then the process of logical thinking and planning is, is actually much more effective, you know, be, you know, and so what, what you do, you're, I'm going to, I'm doing this for the next four to six weeks. Very, very smart, but I would take and sit down with that and get, Um, like you get inspired, um, you, you know, you watch ML's, uh, hangboarding video and you're like, hell yes, I'm going to hangboard 30 days in a row, you know? And, and it's that thing. I mean, it's awesome. And it, it reinforces so much of what I believe, but if I just stop what I'm doing right now and I have to start trying that, I know that that's not logically going to lead me to, to my goals, especially right now. Like I have specific training goals, that don't involve being on the hangboard for 20 minutes a day. Um, And so I want to take my notebook out and I'm going to write down everything I possibly can about that. When would it fit into my program? What inspires me about this? How does it address a weakness that I have? Mm. Um, You know, and you can always look at this, this framework of how, how does this, is this advice good for me? And there's four questions. That you can ask, and this is like with your financial advisor, you know, with your relationship guru, whoever. Um, does this advisor have my same goals? Um, do they have the same experiences I do? Are they trying to make the same leap that I am? And how close are their habits to my habits? Um, mm. And so, when when you look at you yourself compared to, Emil's um, uh, Hangboard program like he lives in an apartment in a city, Um, you live in a van in Rifle. And, um, and so, you know, already we're, we're on these different zones. And so you should take that into consideration and go, how can I, how can I implement that in the future? Um, Or is it going to be something that I need in the future? And so, but I think it's really important to articulate that, Write it in your notebook or in your, you know, on your computer where you're like, I'm going to come back to this when the time is appropriate. The, um, the director, Robert Rodriguez, is, is really fascinating because when he's writing, he, he gets distracted like everybody else. He's trying to write a script. And he, he says if he gets distracted and he has a thought that's divergent, he stops for a minute, writes that down in a notebook, and then goes right back to his work. And then he'll go, he'll do that um, every single time he has a thought because otherwise those thoughts are still distracting him. But if he can put it mm. in the notebook and it's safe there, then he can move back into his stuff. And I think that that's the really important thing is to be able to follow through with a training program. Um, training programs are, are six or eight or 12 weeks because that's what the writer of the program found To be necessary to see those adaptations it's not like oh yeah one week of of this is going to get me where i need to be um and it's the same reason that school takes as long as it does it takes a kindergartner this long to learn to read and so that that's why they focus on reading for that long
0: i love that i love those four questions yeah that's really that's really great i just one thought came to mind while you were talking um you know, just thinking about how, where people screw up <laughs> with this stuff. Uh, another thing I've seen a lot, I have like one type, a friend who comes immediately to mind. He's a really strong climber and he's really driven. And of course that's a sword that cuts both ways. But when we have talked about training, I'll touch, you know, I'll have some really cool conversation with him and he'll ask me stuff and I'll show him what I'm up to. And then I talked to him again a week later and he's just, Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that teaser. Again, the full conversation is about an hour and 36 minutes. We went on to talk about Steve climbing his first 14A and his background in climbing and some of the mindset things that had to change for him to level up after many, many years of climbing in the 513 range. And Steve also helped me out with a question I have about power endurance and gave me some advice for tweaking my own training to get better at these short, punchy, kind of continuous sport climbs that I always struggle with. So if that sounds interesting to you, head over to patreon.com slash Climbing. Again, there's a link right there in your podcast app and become a patron for $5 per month. It goes a long way towards supporting the show. You can cancel at any time, and that'll get you access to... 26 follow-ups that I've now published with people from the show. So you'll have access to all of those as long as you are a patron. And once again, you can cancel at any time. No questions asked. Thank you guys for checking this out. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend and we'll see you on Monday. Shake it up, stop when the clock, it's 13. See one, two, three, three, four, cats, cast, cats. Cause no one can do it, like go we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it like we do it.